I've been absent for several weeks with the um, sacred text messages, but inshallah I hope to uh, start up again. And today I wanted to talk about what I think is really a very interesting statement that Imam al-Bayhaqi relates from our Prophet And although the hadith has uh, some weakness according to some of the muhaddithun, uh, the meaning of it is absolutely sound and there are other hadiths that indicate uh, similar meanings. But I think actually it's a miraculous uh, hadith and ind uh, indicative of proof that our Prophet ﷺ had knowledge of the first and the last because this is something that we believe that our Prophet ﷺ was given what's called the ilm al-awwadeen wal-akhirin the knowledge of the previous peoples and the knowledge of the latter people so many of his statements ﷺ can't really be understood at the time that he made them they actually uh, over time they have become clear even verses in the Quran there are many things in the Quran that at the time I don't think it would have been well understood. Uh, whereas now we have clear evidence for many of these statements. So this hadith uh, related in Shu'ab al-Iman, the Prophet said, so, in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ is reported to have said that the hearts rust and they rust like iron will rust when exposed to water. And then the, the companions asked or it was said to him what how do we remove that rust and he said by much remembrance of death and by recitation of the Quran so what's interesting to me about that is is the 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 word uh, which means to rust in modern parlance we would use the word oxidize because we now know that rust comes from oxidation. And so they, they use the word oxidize to, for rust. So if you ask somebody, what, do, what does oxidation mean? It seems, oh, it's the process, of, it's a breakdown uh, of materials. So fruit, for instance, when if you expose fruit to air, uh, that oxygen causes, especially a fruit will stay protected with the skin on. But once you cut into an apple, the apple starts to brown. And that browning is the oxidation. So it's a kind of rust on the apple. It's similar to the rust on the, on the iron. And that comes from oxygen. So one of the things about the heart 
is that the heart actually does oxidize. And so we know this. Traditionally, if you looked in classical comments on this hadith, they would say things like, oh, it oxidizes, it rusts from heedlessness and sinfulness and these things, which is true. That's undeniably true. But they wouldn't have interpreted it physically, that, that the heart physically rusts. And yet, we now know that the heart actually physically oxidizes. In other words, the cells begin to break down because of what are called free radicals. So these free radicals are these unstable um, uh, moving in, looking for basically these electrons. And so if they don't find the electrons, then they take them from healthy cells, which creates this um, domino effect because then, then that healthy cell now in losing that electron becomes unstable. And so the next one becomes unstable. And then there's a whole cascade of uh, cellular destruction. So this is happening all the time. We, we have cells uh, dying and being reborn uh, all the time. But what's interesting is there's something called antioxidants. And these antioxidants are uh, there to basically st stabilize these free radicals because there are good free radicals also that actually are used to destroy uh, foreign invaders into the body. So there's, there's a necessary balance between free radicals and between uh, antioxidants. You have, to, you have to have this balance in the body. And so one of the things that people are encouraged now to do is to eat foods that uh, uh, provide antioxidants for you. In other words, uh, these, uh, they provide healthy nutrition that's going to develop antioxidants. But also, the body itself produces antioxidants. But that production diminishes over time as we age. And so, what's really fascinating to me here is that the Prophet is saying that the heart oxidizes. And the antioxidant is remembrance of death and recitation of the Quran. So dhikrullah, and there's other uh, uh, traditions that say dhikrullah, and Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyyah says about this, he says, لا شك أن كل شيء يصدى. There's no doubt that everything oxidizes. And he says, والقلب يصدى وسقالته dhikrullah. The polishing or the antioxidant of the heart is remembrance of God. So the more remembrance of God that you do, the more polished your heart gets. So the heart is, is there to mirror the divine attributes so, so that you actually see with your heart. They have hearts. They don't, they don't understand. And then Allah says, it's not the hearts, it's not the eyes that go blind, but it's the hearts that go blind. So in other words, the heart has a vision. But if that vision is clouded, if it's opaque, in other words, if you have like a cataract, a spiritual cataract on your spiritual heart, then you can't see. So that cataract is the, the oxidation. It's the rust of the heart. And so that polishing of the heart is what will enable the heart to actually reflect this light of God. So, so it begins to uh, enter into a state of mushahada. And so just this, it's really interesting because what they term this oxidation in the heart, they call it oxidative stress. So what causes these things? Well, emotional stress causes it. Um, smoking tobacco causes it. Drinking alcohol causes it. 
eating bad foods causes it, fried foods, things that are unhealthy for you. It's all these unhealthy things that cause this oxidation, the rusting of the heart. So the things that will combat it, obviously are avoiding those things, avoiding negative things, harmful things, but also uh, eating well and taking rest appropriately, uh, exercising, all these things are good for your physical heart, but we forget that dhikr Allah is also good for your physical heart. Now, the, what made me start thinking about this were two things. One, uh, my teacher, Marabd al-Hajj, who did dhikr constantly, tirawat al-Quran, he was always reciting Quran. When he wasn't teaching, he was reciting Quran or, or, or saying, la ilaha illallah. I mean, pretty much people that were around him Every breath that he took was with dhikr Allah, which is very difficult for people to do, but he, he was a very unusual spiritual master and a great scholar. Uh, but the people who did study there, there's several of the Western students who went there, they know that what I'm saying is true, because uh, as the Arabs say, the one who sees is not like the one who hears about something. So Marabd al-Hajj, when he was in a coma, the president of Mauritania sent a military helicopter when he found out to airlift him back uh, to Nawakshat because they considered him a national treasure. So they would do whatever they could to, to maintain his life. He was over 100 at the time. The cardiologist who did the echocardiogram on him said that he could not believe the state of his heart. He said it was like the heart of a young man. And, and that, I am convinced, is because his heart wasn't oxidizing. So the cells weren't breaking down. So he was... He was just doing dhikr all the time, that his heart was physically being preserved because of that. So recently, another teacher of mine had a nuclear stress uh, test. And the same thing, the physician who saw it, because this man was uh, very elderly, and when the physician saw it, he was like, you have to tell me what this man's doing. What, what's his exercise uh, and what does he eat? And Because I haven't ever seen a man of this age with, with the results of this nuclear stress test on his heart. And he, his exercise was very moderate. Um, but he, again, recites Quran all the time. I mean, all the time. He does a khatam about every four days, four or five days. So... That just made me realize, mm, something, something here is really going on. And, you know, people are obsessed with physical health now. But, and, and they've completely forgotten spiritual health. One of the things that Socrates says was very interesting. He said that there's all these people that do all these things, like wear makeup to make themselves look healthier. He said, this is all false. What they should be doing is they should be working on their souls because that will radiate a spiritual health. But physical health is very important because we ha we're embodied beings. Allah has placed uh, our, our spirit in these bodies. And there, there is a, we're not dualists in that way. There, we believe in the bodily resurrection because our bodies and our spirits are united. This is a new creation. And so it's very important to maintain the health of the body. And, and, to ignore that health is to endanger your soul. The reason being that we should strive as much as possible to have as much time here to really get our soul in a state 
that it's ready for transition because many people are not ready to die and death will come we don't know when it comes uh, hence you know hamlet's famous remark the readiness is all that that we have to be ready for death and the Taoists actually have all these life extension exercises because they believe that you owe it to your mortal soul to extend your life because it takes time to polish the, the heart. It takes time to prepare for the afterlife. And that's why the Prophet said, don't desire death, but ask Allah for a long life. And one of the things about the, the people of Allah is that they're very, they really, really, uh, maintain their health. In fact, in the Tibba Nebawi of uh, Ibn Kathir, which is a very interesting book, he actually says that, that Quranic recitation will replace physical exercise. He, he says that So, but one of the things he says is that the Prophet Sallallahu kitchen was like an apothecary's kitchen because he, he took a lot of things to, to maintain his health. Uh, now people take supplements and they take all these things to maintain their health. But the Prophet Sallallahu was very concerned with health. He brushed his teeth. They, they would stop counting by preserving his teeth. And he was very, very concerned about dental hygiene. And now we know the relationship between dental hygiene and, uh, and, 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 and the health of the body. So a lot of inflammation. Uh, in the gums actually leads to uh, infiltration into the bloodstream of these um, of this harmful bacteria, and and he also flossed, and this is uh, this is something we know. So dentists that are Muslims, uh, you know, they they know that the Prophet is one of the the first people in human history to really really encourage people to take care uh, of their dental hygiene. And he said, had it not been too much for my ummah, I would have told them to do siwak, uh, brush their teeth before every prayer. That's five times a day, not two times. I mean, some people don't even do it two times. They'll just do it one time, maybe. And some people, they just neglect their teeth. So he was concerned with the health, the physical health of his ummah. He said that about food, he said it's enough, so it will suffice the son of Adam just to have luqaymat, to have morsels. Qadi Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi actually determined it was about 30 a day that the body needs. Now one of the interesting things about dieting is that as you reduce your caloric intake, the body adjusts energetically, so it will begin to be more efficient in the use of calories. And so a lot of people, most people are overeating, and most people in this culture are overeating. I mean, the average American eats far more uh, calories than they need, but than he or she needs. But what what's important to remember is the Prophet Sallallahu said that people that don't have a spiritual foundation eat seven times more than people that do. So. Eating, and that and that seven is a it's it doesn't necessarily mean seven specifically, but it's one of those numbers that's used uh, to to indicate uh, something uh, that there's something there. I mean, it could be literally, but uh, it's it's often used for that purpose to just seventies um, uh, and also seventy seventy two. These are 
These are um, numbers that are used. A thousand also for the Arabs. Alf, alf, alf. Um, there are many, many hadiths that use these specific numbers. So that th those are all aspects that are really important. So antioxidants, they tell you, oh, eat blueberries and eat raspberries and eat um, all these, like eat greens and fruits and vegetables so that you get antioxidants. Well, that's all true, but I'm actually saying I, I really truly believe that if you want the best source of antioxidants, it's dhikrullah, especially tirawat al-Qur'an. Like, and then the other thing is ATP, which is this energy source of the body. The heart produces ATP. So the Prophet said, if the heart is sound, then everything is sound, right? And so this is, it's really important. Now, another thing about this, what, what does dhikrullah do? Because part of an antioxidants come from stress. So when you're stressed out, when you're upset, when, when you're, your heart's broken by dunya, by this world. All these things are happening to you. Well, the Quran says, Those who believe and whose hearts are, are made at peace, they have tuma'nina, they have this tranquility through dhikr of Allah. Be dhikrillah, through dhikr of Allah. The ba there is like it's the instrument by which they're able to calm their hearts, to put their hearts at ease. And our hearts have been created to be in a state of unease, in a state of restlessness until they find rest in the remembrance of God. Once they, they have that source, then they're able to find this. And then it says, Isn't it by dhikr of Allah, through dhikr of Allah, through remembrance of God, that the hearts are made tranquil. So this is the source of the heart's tranquility. If you're upset, if you're stressed out, you're, it, this is all creating these free radicals that then begin to destroy your cells. This leads to heart disease according to uh, our, our physical uh, uh, scientists. They know this. That if, and so if you want to protect your heart, then, then this is the way to do it. One of the really interesting things about Chinese medicine, which I studied when I, did, when I was doing nursing, I did a degree in acupressure uh, in Berkeley at the Acupressure Institute. So I studied the five element theory and, and the meridian theory. But one of the things that they told us, which I found fascinating, was that in Chinese medicine, excessive joy and excessive grief are both harmful for the heart. So it's not, and people die of excess of joy. So these two, these imbalances are seen in the Chinese tradition as being actually both harmful for the heart. And so if you look at the Quran, it says that one of the reasons why God has told us about destiny is, is not to be overjoyed about what comes to you and not to grieve and not to grieve about what happens to you. So not to have excessive joy or excessive grief. And part of the reason is things can happen to you that initially you're joyful and then it later turns out it was the worst thing that could have happened for you. Because we don't know, Allah knows what's good for us. So there's people that think, oh, I got this incredible job. I'm so excited. I can't wait. And then something horrible happens on their job. Like they, they lose a limb or something. So nobody knows what's really... So it's not good to be overjoyed about anything or to be 
over grieved about anything, but to be balanced. This is what our religion is about. It's about this, this, this middle way of our Prophet So, so it's really uh, interesting to look at this from this perspective. Now, another thing that's very fascinating is the Quran. It says, There's, there's six verses in the Quran that are called Ayatul Shifa. So these, these verses are verses that have some form of the, 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 the word Shifa in it or Yashfi, something like that. And, and traditionally, these were recited for when people got sick, people would use them as uh, uh, ways of, of healing with the Quran. So they would recite them over sick people and things like this. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَنُنَزِّلُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ شِفَاءٌ وَرَحْمَةٌ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ That we have revealed min al-Qur'an. This min here is called min al-bayan. There's 12 different meanings of min in Arabic. This one specifically is for uh, clarification. Like you can have min for uh, an initiatory min, like ataytu min Mecca, I came from Mecca. In other words, my journey began in Mecca. You can have a partitive min, like akeltu min al-khubs, I ate some of the khubs. This one is called min al-bayan. So it, it doesn't mean from the Qur'an. It means the whole Qur'an. It's just min al-Qur'an. Here it means the whole Qur'an. Ma huwa shifa'un wa rahmatun lil What is a shifa and a mercy for the believers? So this Qur'an is a healing and, 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 and an antioxidant. So this, this, this will actually heal your, your heart. And spiritually, but also physically, it will have a healing effect on your heart. And, and I mean, I think it would be very interesting for a cardiologist to look at people that do a lot of Quran recitation and do a study on this. I mean, I don't need proof for this, but I mean, some people, they're obsessed with these type of things. But I, I have enough proof just in knowing that so many of the Salihin in West Africa that I studied with and saw have these incredibly long lives and maintain this extraordinary amount of, of uh, vigor. In, in, and certainly our Prophet who was determined, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed for him to leave the world once his mission was accomplished. So he left it at a relatively young age. He, he was in perfect health uh, because the Prophet was the most uh, vigorous of men. He had great physical strength, um, the capacity of 40 men. But Allah uh, told him, and he said in a hadith, the, the, the age of my ummah, the age, the average age of my ummah. And this means both the Muslims and the, the, all the other peoples who are from his, what are called ummah al-istijaba and Ummah al-Da'wah, the people that are called to his way because he's the last final prophet and the only one sent to all of humanity, according to our tradition. And then the Ummah of, of Istijaba are those who answer his call. So his Ummah is everybody on the earth. He said the average age of my Ummah will be between 60 and 70 years. So those of us who are in our seventh decade know that this is the average that... that, uh, that some people live longer lives, and certainly the Salihin, very often Allah gives them long lives because they benefit so much, the people. But I thought about that, like why, why would it be between 60 and 70? And I realized that it's actually part of his mercy because 
health begins to generally break down in the 70s and 80s. And so the, the seventh decade between 60 and 70, that's really the last decade where people are productive generally. They, have, they don't retire. They're, they're still working. And uh, so I, I think it really has to do about mercy, that there's a mercy in, in dying while, while before you fall into decrepitude and, and have all the, the, the difficulties. Although... And I would, I, I would, I truly believe this: that if you take care of yourself, um, that you can go well into your 80s and 90s uh, with good health. There's no reason why you shouldn't uh, uh, really try to do that because it's, it's. When people, people overeat, they eat things that are bad for them. They indulge in things that are, uh, and they know they're harmful. I mean, I once. This is a true story. I won't say which country, but I was in a Muslim country, and um, I saw this man inject himself with insulin right before having the dessert. I mean, literally, it was amazing. Like I saw that, and I just—it's very sad that that—that's like, you know, it's. I mean, Allah put these pleasures into the world, but He also told us, "Hufat al-jannatu bil makarih, wa hufat an-nar." the uh, shahawat that the 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 jannah is surrounded by distasteful things. That's why a lot of things that are good for you are bitter, like things things like arugula is arugula is good for you, but it's bitter. So whereas the things that are bad for you, generally white powder should be avoided. Anything white, like white powder, like sugar, cocaine, you know, uh, fentanyl, anything white. Um, and then white flour. Things that are brown tend to be really good for you. Uh, things that are green tend to be good for you. So, and then meat is something that you should really not eat a lot of. There's only two hadiths in the Muatta about meat, and they're both negative, which I find really fascinating. The Prophet ﷺ loved meat, but he rarely ate it. Uh, it, it by today's standards, the Prophet ﷺ would be called a semi-vegetarian because most of his time was eating very simple food, fresh milk, which is very good for you, especially camel's milk, and, and not pasteurized milk, which kills actually a lot of the most beneficial things in milk. And, and then dates and, uh, and water. The Prophet he did not, he never drank soda. He didn't drink anything harmful. He drank healthy things. And then he did like a drink with dates, uh, uh, so like a sweet drink with dates. Dates are a natural sweetener. They actually don't raise if, in, in a small amount. Like, you, you know, you shouldn't eat a whole pound of dates. But to take like five or six dates, it's not going to raise your blood sugar. In fact, diabetic people can take a few dates, even though dates are pure sugar. One of the most fascinating things about dates is you can put dates, like fresh dates, in a freezer and they'll stay fresh and soft because the sugar content is so high they won't freeze. And I was told this by a date, uh, Syrian date farmer down in Southern California, uh, who we bought dates from, Majdul dates before uh, Ramadan. And sure enough, put them in the freezer and they stayed fresh. It's just amazing. And he said this, this it's the sugar content so high. But dates have amino acids, they're, they're fiber. They're really, really a great. They're, now they call them superfoods.
right? So, so these are these are the foods that Muslims used to eat just on a regular basis, like pomegranate, superfood, right? Honey, superfood, black seed. Now you can get black seed at Whole Foods. They say ancient superfood. And now you can actually, believe it or not, you can buy sea wax sticks. Like, it's amazing. You can get these at like, because they're saying, oh, this is like a antibacterial natural toothbrush. Like people should use this. I mean, subhanAllah. We will show them our signs. I mean, our Prophet said, what a gift that we have. I mean, what a gift we have. So, so this is this is something really I think amazing about our religion, and uh, it's something that we should uh, rejoice in and just uh, recognize that the of Allah is a great thing. And uh, one of the things about uh, this the um, of Allah is that uh, the and there's over-the-counter dhikrs and then there's prescription dhikrs. So it's really important to know the difference. Over-the-counter dhikrs are dhikrs that will never harm you. Recitation of the Quran will never harm you. Um, salah on the Nabi Wasallam will never harm you. Um, doing uh, La ilaha illallah, astaghfirullah, these type of things. Divine names, you have to be very careful with them because there's something called tajalli, which can be very strong for people. And so you really have to have uh, some guidance about uh, certain, these are the, the prescription uh, dhikrs. Uh, and unfortunately, we, we used to have a lot of spiritual masters in our tradition. Uh, they're very hard to find uh, these days, but those are the people that can help people with specific dhikrs that will be good for them. Because dhikr is medicine. So, But like I said, tirawat al-Quran will never harm you. Prayer on the Prophet will never harm you. But you have to be careful with uh, certain divine names because they can have a very powerful uh, tajalli on people. And, and I'm saying this from real experience So I, because I, I know people that, I know a person that was dear to me who had a psychotic break from doing uh, a specific name for uh, too long. Um, so just people should be aware of that. And just because it's, uh, it's uh, the... The, the the month of our beloved Prophet Sallallahu birth, which is Rabi' al-Awwal, alayhi salatu wassalam, I wanted to just end with a, a one of my favorite sirah, um, uh, the way, the, the, uh, prayer on the Prophet Sallallahu which one of the, uh, the knowers of God said, Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin tibra qulubi wa dawa'iha. Oh Allah, Bless our Prophet, uh, a medicine for the heart and its treatment. So now this again gets back to even physically that prayer on the Prophet is going to be an antioxidant for your heart. And a well-being, a source of well-being and a... a uh, a, a healing for your bodies. Uh, and then a, a light for your eyes. So again, it gets back to polishing the heart and having that inner light that you'll be able to see once your heart's fully polished. 
نور الأبصار وضيائها وقوت الأرواح وغذائها and a source of spiritual sustenance for our souls and its nourishment. وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما الحمد لله. السلام عليكم.